So welcome to the podcast. Today we have a roundtable debate for you and a subject that's hot whichever sector you work in, ethics. Now we've looked in general at ethics in business before. Today we're going to narrow down the focus and discuss the role that ethics and moral character play in leadership. How can HR encourage a culture where those attributes are valued and how can they develop those values in their leaders and in themselves? So Ruth Stewart, welcome. You are Head of Strategy and Development here at the CIPD. I think we all understand the backdrop to this discussion, don't we? We have seen a growing culture of distrust of organisations internally, externally. That suggests to me that ethical behaviour is a business imperative. But do you think it's also important that it's a personal choice? I think absolutely it's a business imperative. If I look at some of the debates that we've had in the last um, couple of years or so, there have been increasingly examples of ethical scandals, VW being the one that we'd probably both hear of. And I think there's this sense in the past that commercialism and ethics were somehow kind of different things. Now I think we're moving towards a place where ethics and commerciality have to go hand in hand. In terms of when the personal choice comes in, I think... How an individual thinks about their own values, their own morals, is a personal choice. How those play out at an organisational level is absolutely a question of ethics and organisational ethics. Okay. Next, let me introduce Tina Russell. She is Professional Conduct Manager at the CIPD. And it does seem to me this is a good moment, Tina, for us to iron out the difference between morals and ethics. Sure. So in terms of the difference and, and look at it from the HR profession perspective, morals um, underpin ethics and they are, back to what Ruth was saying, a, a personal choice. And it's not necessarily the role of the Institute, for example, to dictate or, or guide people into in terms of what their morals should be. But we can certainly help practitioners with a framework work for ethics and ethics is 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 a bit more you know something that we can um, codify for example so uh, that that's where we can give a steer some guidance and direction okay so we could usefully think of morality as a a foundation for ethical behavior but what we're primarily concerned with around this table i think is ethics isn't it today our final guest today is keith watson director of 360 hr solutions i mean as we've been hearing really current leadership We focus a lot on what leaders do, what tools leaders need. We haven't thought so much about who they are, have we? Um, And I'm wondering whether we've been looking through this telescope from the wrong end. Good point. We have began, or begun rather, uh, to focus on behaviours. It would certainly be my uh, take um, on things that morals are perhaps our beliefs, ethics are the manifestation of the beliefs. Uh, So I think by focusing on leadership behaviours, we're beginning I uh, don't think we're there yet, but we'll begin to focus on things which are going to be, picking up on Ruth's point, uh, commercially viable in the long term rather than in the short term. Yeah, short-termism is definitely something I want to talk more about later because I think it's it's fundamental to this, isn't it? But before we get there, Ruth, I know the CIPD has been working on these questions. Um, your purposeful leadership research is looking at the moral aspect of leadership's characteristics now, isn't it, beyond just behaviour? And that's new, isn't it? Absolutely. So this is a, a huge focus for us at the CIPD, and we've been researching this in a number of fronts. Firstly, that started with really looking at what does it mean to be a professional, um, and what does it mean to have um, ethical behaviour? Um, and then that's translated into what does it mean at a leadership level, um, and how can we instil this sense um, amongst all leaders that we all have an ethical responsibility, and in fact an ethical duty, 
opportunity um, to make the right decisions, um, even when times are tough. Um, and our purposeful leadership is really about bringing some of those conversations to the fore and really thinking through what does it take um, to be have, have purpose as a leader and to really think through um, the decisions that you're making. Yeah, I mean, as you say, it's all about decisions, isn't it? And I've got a startling statistic here, which is in the UK, just a tiny, tiny proportion of leaders say that they're holding themselves to a high moral standard. 8% is the figure I've got. Amazingly low. Why do you all think that is? I think perhaps that morals became unfashionable at one point in life. So I think we've gone uh, as a society where morals were held out to be a good thing, to be something which are optional uh, rather than necessary. A lot, I think, uh, is a matter of semantics. So what do we mean by morals? Do we mean doing the right thing? So I think if we would ask that question, we well have got a different answer. Right. At the end of the day, what we want, uh, certainly as an institute in my view and as a profession, is for our members to do the right thing rather than necessarily follow any particular policy process or code. Sure, and I would say to that in terms of becoming a slave to the market, you know, that, that that's influenced um, a, a kind of turning them back on morals potentially. So, um, you know, we need to be careful that, uh, you know, the market is the servant and actually in terms of practice, whether you're a leader or actually anyone within the, the world of work and so on, you've actually got a responsibility not just to think about how you make your decisions but the impact of those decisions and so the impact beyond the bottom line and profits and upon the community, for example. I mean, as you say, there's more going on here than, than might meet the eye. We've got 90-odd percent of people saying they don't think of themselves as being morally guided in the course of their work, which is astonishing, isn't it? I think if we take the view these people are not all just bad people, it's just that they feel, and probably quite rightly, that maintaining high moral and ethical standards in the course of the way we all work now, the demands of business, it's a really big ask, isn't it? And we've got one in three business leaders in HR saying they've had to compromise their principles to meet current business needs. And I'm not surprised by that, are you? And and I would certainly say in the the work that I do, for example, in terms of dealing with the managing the code of conduct and and dealing with uh, complaints about members, for example, that there's often an accusation that um, people have behaved unprofessionally or unethically. um, And um, actually, when you boil down to the detail, um, it's uh, a questioning of decision making or actions that have been taken. And what, um, you know, is, is the experience of the accused, for example, if you like, or the member at the at the end of the process is actually there probably was some benchmarking there was some research there was some consultation but they're not communicating that and they're not um, being seen to consult Um, and there's also a view that um, you know there's kind of a um, conspiracy with management and so on so I think that not just from the HR profession but management and leadership need to really communicate how decisions are reached and also how um, you know the um, benchmark and, and the informed decisions have been made. So this is about clarity, discussing these things more openly? I think uh, if we can substitute clarity for transparency, mm. uh, because if decision-making is transparent, then it's much more likely uh, to be appropriate and justifiable. I think one of the great difficulties we've had, uh, and still do in many respects, is our tendency to want to focus 
so we want to focus on making money, we want to focus on this, we want to focus on that. Whereas an ethical approach requires us to be much more holistic and don't, not to do what's right for one individual or for one group of stakeholders, but to do what's right uh, for the range of stakeholders. Directors are going to respond to that and say there's commercial imperative stuff they can't discuss. They can't be as transparent as perhaps they might want to. And of course, they do owe a duty to shareholders, don't they, to maximise financial outcomes. So they're conflicted, aren't they? There are some um, very interesting findings from from the research that looks at how people make decisions, um, and particularly some of from our, our research back from 2015, looking at the profession for the future, has highlighted that generally business leaders and HR leaders and line managers want to make good decisions. They want to make ethical, fair, transparent decisions. But when it comes into sort of how that plays out in practice, there's often things that get in the way, whether that's pressure to meet current business needs, whether it's a fear about how their career trajectory will, will go forward if they make certain choices. Um, and I think we all collectively have a responsibility to create the environments where people can do the right thing, um, where there aren't negative consequences, um, either for their business or themselves, and um, that we find more creative ways to really thinking through creating the right conditions for people to make good decisions. But that's also the situation most people are in right now. That's not that ideal scenario. It's not the case they're living with, is it? As you say, everyone's worried about their career trajectory, their jobs. So whose job is it? To, to carry this ethical organisation forward, then is it HR or is it who is it? I think HR has an absolutely massive role to play. And if I think about the expertise that they bring, it is in people, work and change. And if I think about the sort of environments that people find themselves in when they can't make good ethical choices, then there's absolutely an imperative for HR to be able to create that culture through understanding how organisations behave and how individuals behave in those contexts, in those environments. Um, That being said, is not their role alone. I think it's the responsibility of each and every one of us to make ethical choices in our day-to-day lives. Um, That can't sit with one particular profession. Um, But I think we can be at the forefront of this area. But in terms of kind of organisational messaging, I mean, HR, does it have sufficient clout? Uh, I I think we're in danger of uh, going off at a tangent. Ultimately, uh, ethics is a business matter. If HR were to pretend to take responsibility for a company's ethics, then you're absolutely right. It ends up being something which is sidelined and isn't mainstream to the business. Uh, ultimately, ethics is a business issue, and it's one which HR can assist and it can be involved. It cannot own ethics. Uh, that's a matter for the business. And what we have been saying is that acting in an ethical manner from a business perspective makes good long-term commercial sense. And the key and, word and there is long-term, long-term. isn't it? And by not focusing on short-term gain, businesses will and have been very successful. We only have to look at any number uh, of scandals which have been in the papers uh, over recent years. We now have an, an industry in the UK uh, for people uh, not reclaiming what uh, was now deemed to be missold for PPI. That's a whole new business uh, which has made people millions of pounds. Now, there is nobody who would suggest for a moment that not selling PPI uh, made commercial sense in the long term. It may have made good sense for the people responsible for it at the time in terms of short-term bonuses. It, 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 it very much didn't make uh, good sense for short-term bonuses. Mm. Businesses, if they want uh, short-term profits, may well not act 
the lens for you know, future growth and, and long-termism. That's the crux uh, of it, uh, don't you that, think? That's, that's absolutely yeah. the crux. I mean, that's, that's the issue, isn't it? Because turning that ship around, I mean, that really is a super tanker, isn't it? How do you shift away from that sort of short-term perspective, which absolutely we can all agree is not the way forward, but it is the way most people are working, isn't it? It's how they're remunerated. It's how their bonus systems work. And that's an HR issue, isn't it? And, and HR certainly have a, um, you know, a unique um, opportunity to act as police, as judge, and to coach development of ethical competence. But that has to be borne out by the leadership in organisations. Because we've touched on this issue of ethics, it's a movable feast before the culture. I mean, the fact that there's no gold standard of what morality actually represents is there if we think globally if we think across different faiths different belief systems with no gold standard how do organizations embed what is required uh, i find that one an interesting question because i don't see that there should be a conflict there'll be a common ground upon which um, you know it doesn't matter how the organization have translated their values if you've recognized your own individual values they can be in congruence with your work and they can absolutely match um, and, and affect the influence that you have on others that there's a commonality and do you um, think so right when, across countries across national borders and countries when you certainly look at the the codification for example of whether it's codes of ethics or values that there is a commonality there and I think that sometimes we we, we try to over engineer it and, and make it sound more complicated than it really is That's a good point yeah because I think there is a lot of sensitivity around that isn't there I think there are some really simple questions that we can ask ourselves so for example just because we can do something should we absolutely and not certainly no, if you take the perspective, no, I'm making this decision, would I be happy for my family to read what I have done? And if you're happy for everybody to know you made that decision and why, then it's probably a good decision. The voice of conscience sitting on your shoulder. Absolutely. Can mm. you look someone in the eye and explain that policy or decision um, and you know justify it as well? I think that, that's a crucial question, not just is it legal? Yes, and actually honestly talk about your thought process about how you got there rather than a kind of embellished version of sure. how you got there. So looking specifically at HR, uh, people, professionals, they've got a double challenge, haven't they? They've got to find leaders with strong moral and ethical codes. And of course, they've got to meet the development needs of those leaders when they're actually in the course of their work. So how do you identify leaders with strong ethical behaviours and moral codes? I mean, we all know how to look good, don't we? We all know what to say. How do you how do you actually really look into someone's heart and see who they are? What's quite crucial, I think the um, definition of professionalism has many iterations, but it's beyond uh, technical knowledge and competence. It's actually how you live and breathe your practice. And uh, um, ethical leaders should, should certainly be able to, for example, walk through dilemmas and be able to coach and mentor um, others in, in terms of how to do that, be comfortable with um, exercising their moral muscle. What you're looking for is somebody who has no, robust situational judgment. Now, at the end of the day, uh, no, we don't live in a world where we always make the right decision. We, we simply don't. So what you're looking for in, from a leader is somebody who can make a justified decision, which is for the, the general good, rather than the good of particular stakeholders or particular parties, and certainly not for self-interest. I mean, thinking about leadership and 
our preoccupation in this in this conversation at least with who people are rather than just what they do is there a question to be asked around personal life and personal values outside the organization and behaviors do they play into your judgments about who people are and i'm thinking about obvious examples like infidelity does it matter if your CEO is conducting an affair, d- does it impinge on their behaviour at work? I think ultimately, uh, no, in some countries, yes. In some cultures, absolutely. In others, not in the slightest. I think we have to be very careful uh, when looking at... So whilst our, our personal beliefs and morals uh, will impact an extent on how we conduct business, uh, I think we have to be very careful at making judgments uh, based on people's personal lives. Ultimately, what we want is somebody who will act in the best interests of the business. Uh, that's what we're looking for uh, in leadership. Now, as a profession, we can encourage people to act in the best interests. You mentioned earlier about our reward policies and the fact that they tend to reward short-term benefits sure. rather than long-term. That, that can be changed. That, that's, that's quite easy. I think that it's perhaps the, a slippery slope, shall we say, uh, to start looking at people's individual morals and beliefs because ultimately, how are we going to know what they they are rather than what they tell us? Uh, And what we are paying for as a business are what people do in the business and their outputs. These are complex and subtle issues, aren't they? Um, I suspect this discussion may prompt some soul-searching amongst listeners about their own behaviour. So I'm wondering whether we should wrap this up with some guidance, actually. Shall we have a go at summing up the characteristics of an ethical practitioner? I think for me, it would be, first and foremost, somebody who's prepared to take a quite a hard and honest look at themselves and reflect on the decisions they've made, their own behaviours and the choices they've made. Um, so it I starts think, with them? Yep. I would also uh, call on our courage to challenge uh, Steer as well, being able to do that in a constructive and productive way. You know, you can bring in the ability to coach and mentor and influence, um, you know, the ripple effect, essentially. For me, I think it has to be uh, transparency and accountability. Well, my head, I don't know about you, my head's still full of questions I like to chew over. But um, (laughs) as you know, we try and keep these podcasts short so that people actually do have time to listen to them every month. So for now, Ruth Stewart... Tina Russell, Keith Watson, thank you all very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you.